If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I am your host, Dolph Goldenberg, and I cannot tell you how excited, that's excited, I am about today's episode because one of my favorite people in the whole world is joining me, Lexi Linger. Lexi is my thought partner. She produces this podcast. She's an all-around amazing human being. I will share with you that the day that I first met Lexi is one of the best days of my professional life. And what we're going to be talking about today is recruitment and onboarding. Because for folks that don't know, at successful nonprofits or when I'm doing an interim at a nonprofit, I typically bring with me sort of an unusual hiring and onboarding process. And for about the last six or nine months, Lexi's been saying, Dolph, we should record an episode where we talk about your recruitment process. And we keep saying this, and then, you know, the pandemic is happening, and we're like, well, maybe now's not the best time. And just so you know, listeners, as we record this, the Delta variant is raging across the country, and Lexi and I are huddled together in a very, very small recording booth. So if one of us has the Delta variant, we both have the Delta variant now. But without further ado, let me just share with you a little bit more about Lexi. Not only, as I've already said, is she a thought partner and also the producer of the podcast, and as I've also already said, an incredible human being. Lexi has a graduate degree in conflict resolution. She has spent years working with refugee organizations and refugee communities. She has not just the heart and soul of the nonprofit sector, but she also has this amazing way of looking at things and situations and identifying really how to make things that might not be reality but are possible, how to make them reality. And that's also what you're always looking for in a great consultant. And it's one of the reasons why I say that when Lexi and I first started to work together, I felt super excited and privileged, and I still feel incredibly grateful. Hey, Lexi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dolph. I'm really excited to be on this side of things. And listeners, just so you know, 
We started to record this, and we might not have time to record the whole thing. So if midway through you hear the audio change, it's because, well, we did not actually have time to record the whole thing. But, Lexi, I was hoping we would start by talking about the recruitment process. But before we get there, you have told me the story about the day that you found out Successful Nonprofits was hiring and how you decided to apply. And and I think it's a story worth retelling. Sure. So my friend at the time was in the process of getting her massage therapist exam and licensing under her belt, and I had just decided that my children were old enough and I could go back to work finally. And so we went to Panera pre-pandemic, and I'm sitting there and I think, ah, you know, I'm, I'm just going to look up Indeed while she studies for her exam. And wouldn't you know it, that's the day that you posted this position for successful nonprofits. And I read through it and I thought, man, this is the perfect job for me. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I have the nonprofit background. This is, this is my calling. This is where I need to be. But I'll be honest, off. it seemed too good to be true, and I wasn't sure if you were real or not. So I called a couple of friends and asked if any of them had heard about you, and they had. And so I decided to go ahead and put in my application. And I, I was so excited, but at the same time, you know, how many people put in one application and actually get the job or even hear back? And so I didn't really have my my hopes all that high that it would go anywhere. But it just, it was a lot of luck. My friend needing to study that day, my choosing to go with her and be supportive and just thought, hey, I'll hop on Indeed today. And thankfully, somebody I knew heard about you. And so I went for it. That's awesome. And I remember you sharing with me that trepidation. And you also had some concerns because of Like, this started and still is a remote position, and you had some concerns around, if I recall correctly, it being a remote position and how those can sometimes be sketchy. Oh, yeah. I I really didn't think you were real, and I was going to send in my contact information to a creeper or something like that, Um, which, again, is why I, I contacted a couple friends who were still working in the nonprofit sector. I had stopped working about five years prior to, to be home with my children. And so, yeah, I, I had to look into you and make sure you were real. I did a little bit of Facebook stalking and checked out the website and made sure somebody else had been in one of your trainings before. So let me ask you, did anything about the initial job posting seem different to you from like the typical job posting you see? Ooh, that was a while ago. Let me think for a minute. Uh, Oh, one of the things actually that stood out to me was you did include the pay range. And I don't think most job descriptions I see include that. And as somebody who knew I would be paying for childcare, I needed to know what I was getting myself into. And being able to see that starting range was really helpful. You know, it's interesting, and I know I've said this on the podcast, To me, it's an equity and inclusion issue to put the pay range. Because so often what happens, employers don't put a pay range when they post a position. And then if they have a great candidate, who often is a candidate who's been out of the workforce for a minute because they have had family responsibilities, or it's a candidate who maybe started a little bit later in their career because, well, college was a little bit more of a challenge or a barrier for them. So then if they get a great candidate, they think, oh, yeah, we can get this candidate at a really lower rate than we would normally pay. 
Yeah, I think that's definitely true. So I felt going into it like I couldn't be taken advantage of. We all knew what we were getting ourselves into. And again, being that person that hadn't been working for a while and having those financial responsibilities, it was really good to know that I was spending the time on a job that would be worth it eventually. One of the other things, and I might be jumping ahead, you might talk, you're going too far ahead, but while we talk about that, one of the things that really stood out to me, one of the first times we spoke, you asked me, you had a list of questions, and I was really impressed that you had a list of questions. And, and I'm doing these off the top of my head, so I may not have them right, Lexi, but I know you're like, okay, so you are going to provide me with a computer. I'm not using my computer. You are going to provide me with a computer. I'm like, yep, this is a W-2 position. It's an employee position. You'll get a computer. And then you said, and I am going to get a W-2 at the end of the year, right? You're not going to send me a 1099. And I was like, yep, it's a W-2 position. That does change things. It changes your taxes and how you have to track your expenses. That's something you need to know going into it. But I was just so impressed. I really was. So many people, in fact, I don't know that anyone else drilled down on those questions the way you did. And again, for me, A, it told me that you could envision yourself actually doing that job, but also that you had enough experience to understand the difference. And that's very much what I was looking for. Oh, that's good to know. I can't take the credit, though. My mom is the person that told me you go into every job with questions ready to go, and they need to be deep, detailed questions. So I will pass that on to her. (laughs) Okay, so definitely credit to your mom. I love that. And listeners, because we often work remote, today we're together, but we are often remote, I've actually seen her mom sometimes in the Zoom background because her mom also steps in sometimes with childcare. She is an amazing childcare savior at times. She is. We would not have made it through COVID without her and my grandmother. So my mother and my grandmother have both been very helpful. And I do have to say, as long as you're giving that shout out, I think it's your 87-year-old grandmother. Yes. That's amazing. I just think that is so amazing that your 87-year-old grandmother is like, sure, I'll come down and do childcare. She does. She does finger painting and Play-Doh and the whole shebang with my my two-year-old and my five-year-old. I know there were some things in the recruitment process and screening process that really stood out to you that felt different from the processes you've gone through before. Can you talk about that? So the most obvious one would definitely be the assessment that you have candidates through. Do you want to share a little bit about how you run the assessment or would you like me to? Well, I almost feel weird if I share it in part because, you know, I've put together so many assessments. I don't know that I remember exactly what your assessment was because I do one for every position. Okay. So this assessment, what it, what Dolph asked all of the job applicants to do was to spend, I think, about a couple hours actually doing some of the tasks that would be necessary for the position. So updating the website doing some research on prospective guests for certain topics, writing a little summary about what an episode might be, like the introduction or the social media. So, for example, a Facebook post. Those are the ones that really stand out to me. But basically, that assessment mimics the real-life responsibilities of the job, and that would give you, the employer, the opportunity to see how the prospective um, employees Look where their skills lie on those jobs you're going to need. And I should also say that you had us record that. So you could actually watch our recording and see our thought process and all the little mistakes we were making and how we 
overcame those mistakes. So you've got a really, I assume, a very clear picture of where we were with our skill sets for all the different jobs and tasks we were going to need to complete. And I've got to nerd out for a minute because as you said it, I also remembered there was also an Excel piece to it. Because Excel is such a big part of everything we do at successful nonprofits. We're data nerds. And so I think there was also an Excel piece to it. Yes, pivot tables. <laughs> and I'm laughing because pivot tables are now a very regular thing that we do in all of our client work. And I had no clue how to do pivot tables prior to that assessment. Realized in the middle of it, I really, really had no clue what I was doing, but have since learned. And I just have to ask, this is a tangential do you not just love pivot tables and how much time they save you? I do. I love them so much. I'll nerd out about pivot tables with you anytime, Dolph. <laughs> so the, the other thing I've got to share with you, and I should have already shared this with you, I learned the most, and I'm sorry, listeners, now we're kind of doing like our weekly meetings, so I'm so sorry. I learned the most interesting thing on Excel in the last week. Did you know that you can take a table or data in a PDF format, as long as it's organized in some way in that PDF, and open up your data tab in Excel, say import from a picture, and it all just shows up in Excel perfectly. I had no idea. And just today I was doing that. That would, I'm so excited to use that tomorrow. Like, listeners, I know that you must think that we are making this up, but honestly, we nerd out, I nerd out about Excel. And it's such a time saver to be able to just take a PDF and say, okay, save it on your, on your you know, desktop. And then say, okay, import this. And suddenly all that data is just there. And there's no transcription errors. There's no, you know, manual entry errors. And it's all there. you got to clean it up a little bit and make it look pretty. But it's there. Oh, my gosh. I don't mind the cleaning it up and making it look pretty. I like doing that part. But just getting the data into Excel, oh, my gosh. What a huge time saver. I'm so excited. <laughs> but again, sorry. I know it's really, really off topic. But listeners, um, I might actually put a video up around that just so folks can see it. It is too cool. It is just too cool. But so I will say in asking for the screen recording, because this uh, particular assessment was done virtually, sometimes the assessment's done in person. But what there were two things I wanted to do. I wanted to not only see people's thought processes, but like when I got back the final product, it's not like I would watch every minute of the screen recording. What I would do is I would fast forward through it because I'd be like, oh, for example, the pivot tables are often a challenge for people. Oftentimes, like, I'll fast forward and like, okay, what happens when the person gets to pivot tables? And, you know, what do they do? How do they deal with it? Sometimes there's frustration or you feel stress. And, well, I don't see your face, obviously, because it's a screen recording. I want to really see, like, what's happening on the screen when you're like, oh, my gosh, how do I do this? Or, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to Google this one topic idea for the podcast, and I can't come up with anything that I think is great. Yeah, I, and the other thing with with that recording was making sure that we did it in the right time frame because that was a big part of it too. You gave us a, a certain set, I think it was a couple hours, that we had to get everything done in. And so you could confirm that that is the case. We followed those rules too. The other thing that I always say to candidates and I put it in the written assessment, and I don't know if you remember this or not, Lexi, I always say, as an example, okay, you have two and a half hours to do this, but I anticipate this is three hours of work. And I put this in the assessment and I say it, and one of the reasons that I am giving you more work than I think you can do in this time is I want to see how you prioritize work when you know you can't get everything done and also how you 
handle working under pressure or stress. And it's not like every day is a pressure cooker, but in every job we have 10 or 11 days a year that are super stressful. And if we crumble on those days, you know what? We really don't perform that job as well. I do remember that. I also remembered that you gave us a lot of flexibility in how we used that time. So for example, I think we had a a couple days, we could do it in one sitting, we could do it in multiple sittings. And on that flexibility note, there was a lot of flexibility in how the whole assessment was done. So you gave us a list of possible topics to choose from, to, to do our social media blast on or to brainstorm podcast topics on. And we could as you mentioned, do it in any order. So we could prioritize what we felt most comfortable with or what we thought would be most important to get done. And so that flexibility was really useful and also really important just in being able to get that assessment done for you. I'll share with you, it's funny because I've I've done a lot of assessments because this is something that I make a part of any position that I'm recruiting for. Again, whether it's in my own consulting practice or if I'm the interim of a nonprofit somewhere. So I've done a lot of assessments. But one of the things that I have found candidates who do these uh, assessments most successfully, and I think you did this, kind of drop those most difficult tasks into a container. So they do it at a set. So essentially, the stuff that they're like, oh, yeah, I can get this done, they do that in one sitting. And then the difficult stuff they put in another sitting. And, you know, that's a really effective way to kind of manage your work. Say, okay, this is something I know I can do with my eyes closed. This is something I need to do on a good night's sleep, well-caffeinated, the right music in the background, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. I totally did that. That's like SAT testing 101, isn't it? You do what you can do first, and then you go back for the harder things later, so at least you've gotten through most of the test. It really is. It absolutely is. Now, there's something else I know that you found interesting, and you brought it when we were talking about this episode. You said that it was one of the things you wanted to talk about, and that's that you, but not just you, every candidate that took the assessment was paid for their time. Oh, yeah. First of all, I thought that was just shocking. How many people would pay you to do a job that's not actually the real job? But as a parent and somebody who was paying for child care while I did this assessment, I had to leave my house and go do it someplace else so I could have peace and quiet. I needed that right? I I had to pay for those outside expenses in order to even have the time just to go do this assessment. And so that was so important to me. And that was another thing that made me feel like you were going to be a great person to work with. My perspective on that has been very aligned with what you were talking about is that, and let me also say, listeners, if someone's applying for a director level position, a chief development officer position, an executive director position, I actually don't feel that there's a strong need to pay the person to participate in an assessment because it's it's at a level where that should not be an expectation. But I think if it's anything other than a director level position, even a supervisor or a manager position, you absolutely, it is critical that if you're going to ask people to take an assessment, you pay them for your for their time and you essentially pay them at a rate that is at least as much as you would be paying them if you offered them the job. Because we don't know if they have to take unpaid time off work in order to do your assessment, if they've got to pay for childcare, or, you know, frankly, maybe they don't even have great internet access at home. So maybe they've got to spend money on their data plan, whatever it is. For me, that's that equity, inclusion, diversity, and justice piece is if we're going to ask for this, it can't be more burdensome than just your time. And even beyond all of that, it's just a lot of time. We gave you a couple hours to be able to do that. And it was 
in all honesty, kind of a nice incentive to sit down and spend a couple of hours and really put in the work knowing that that time was going to be appreciated. Anything else you wanted to share about the assessment piece? No, I think that's it. Awesome. Well, I know we also wanted to talk a little bit about the reference checking piece because that's something else that in my practice and when I do interims, I do just really differently. Yes. So you do mutual references. So that means that you not only checked my references, but you offered me references of yours to check. You recommended I speak with one of your clients in particular just after finding out some of my own interests and recommended a a client that might be aligned with things that I was interested in and my own passions and hobbies. And again, because I was a virtual hire and I wasn't really sure that you were real, that made me feel really good and confident and sharing my information with you and moving forward with you and working with you that you would you would give me that opportunity to speak with somebody who's worked with you. I also spoke with the person who held my position previously. We had the opportunity to sit down and have a Zoom chat for about an hour. And so that was another really great opportunity to learn about the position and about how successful nonprofits functions and who you are as well. And I am so really glad that you asked to talk to that person. I I know I said, hey, you could talk to anyone. You can talk to someone who's worked here before, but I'm glad you talked to that person. And one of the things that um, I I think you came back and kind of shared with me, you know, before, before or earlier in the interview process, you had said, hey, you know, someone's currently in this position. Tell me about why they're leaving. And I kind of said to you, well, you know, right now the person is working a full-time job and this job, and, you know, it's a little bit much for them right now given where they are in their life, and we've had some conversations that are clarifying conversations, and that person's ultimately decided that they need to focus on their full-time job, and that means giving up this one. But uh, but I love the fact that you also asked that person very specifically, okay, why are you leaving uh, and I'm and I'm glad because for me that's also not just mutual references but mutual accountability. So if I tell you something, it's okay for you to check it out and make sure that what I said is accurate. Yeah, definitely. And another thing, I'm going to steal one of your sayings, Dolph. You can't fit fit. So it was a good opportunity to check and see if we would be a good fit. Ultimately, that conversation led to my thinking we would be, which I think that's panned out well. I, I, as you know, I've often said you are probably, um, in terms of hiring, one of the one of the best decisions that I have made. Certainly in my in my consulting practice and probably my entire professional life. Um, I, you know, you, I know, I know you're over there smiling and laughing at me. But Lexi, you know, I say this to you all the time. I'm just, I'm so grateful for you, and I just really, you're a thought partner, and I cannot imagine doing my work now without you. And, you know, if you if you ran off and worked for another consulting firm or went went and worked for a nonprofit, um, I honestly, I, I don't know what I would do. I'd be devastated for some period of time. Thank you, Dolph. That day at Panera was one of the best days of my life, too. And I have no plans to run off to any other consulting practices. All right, folks, you heard that here. Don't try to poach Lexi because she's amazing. Please do not try to poach her. Uh, But I know also when we were talking about references, I do something that's a little bit different. So, you know, oftentimes as an employer, when you ask for references, the person will give you three to five names, and then you reach out and talk to those people. And my take on that has always been 
we can all, or almost all of us, find at least three people who are not our mother or our father who will say good things about us. And so I do it a little bit differently. And I also get that it's a way that can feel a little challenging and maybe even threatening when first presented to a final candidate. And that's, I like to look at your resume and say, okay, I'd like to talk to a supervisor from this job, a colleague from this other job, a direct report from this third job. And Listeners, you you know the standard interview question, the one where you say, tell me about a time where you had a disagreement with a supervisor or a colleague and how you worked through that disagreement. I always ask to talk to whoever it is that you've told me you had a disagreement with because we also all know the right answer, right? The right answer is, oh, I went in and we had a heart-to-heart and it was a difficult conversation. But at the end of it, we really came to see eye-to-eye with each other and we left with more mutual respect than when the conversation started. And, you know, we worked together really well for the rest of the time I was there. And I was there for a year, two years, three years, whatever. And we all know that's the right answer. But I always want to be able to also talk to that person and just get a sense of, like, their perspective on that entire situation. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I was really freaked out when you told me who you wanted to talk to. In my case... Dolph asked to speak with a supervisor that I had a fairly long history with, but also felt like our parting could have gone a little bit more pleasantly. And I was so, so nervous that this was going to be the reason that I lost my job. But it turned out okay. It absolutely did. And it's interesting because I remember you being nervous and you know, and, and again, it's not unusual to feel a little bit of pushback as the employer when when I asked for that. And so I could tell you were nervous, and I think some of the things I said to you was, okay, look, Lexi, I understand these are not cherry-picked references. So anything they say, I'm going to take with a grain of salt. But it's really important to me, if you and I are going to work together, that I understand that person's perspective so that you and I are able to work together really effectively. And I know that does not decrease the anxiety or make it feel necessarily less threatening, but... It, the, the funny part of that story, and, and you said that I could share this, so I'm, I'm gonna. Um, the funny part of that story is I called the reference. We had a great conversation. And by the way, this person gave Lexi an amazing reference. And toward the end, and typically when I, when I ask for references, or when I call a reference, I've got about 14 to maybe 15 questions that I want to ask him. And so I say that up front um, when I'm scheduling. And I say, I'm going to need about 20 minutes because I've got about 15 questions. And so toward the end, I said, to the reference. Now, I understand that you two had a little bit of a disagreement at some point, and I just wanted to understand your perspective on that. And, you know, the supervisor um, said to me, yeah, we had a disagreement, and I felt it felt to me like we both understood each other and it all worked out okay. And I came back to you, and I was like, Lexi, this person gives you a great reference. I was so relieved. The nonprofit world is a fairly small world, so we've since run into each other, and it was good to know there were no hard feelings on either either side. So I know, Lexi, we're about to have to wrap up. I think we're at like 25 minutes. We try to keep it to about 30 minutes. And I have not yet asked you an off-the-map question, which, by the way, I just realized I have to ask you, and I don't know what it's going to be. But before I get there, there's one thing I also want want us to talk about because there's something else that happened where there were two really top candidates. You were one of the top candidates for the position, and then someone else was another top candidate. And it was interesting because your two skill sets were very, very different. And it helped me realize that perhaps 
I was trying to meld together. And by the way, in the nonprofit sector, we do this, we make this mistake all the time. I was trying to meld together two very different types of positions that require two very different skill sets and somehow find the miraculous person that could do it all. So what I ultimately ended up deciding to do was to carve out another position that was a much, much smaller position, two, three, four hours a week from this bigger position that I then offered to Lexi. And Lexi, you have such an interesting perspective on that, and it's not one that I had thought about until you shared it with me. So in conflict resolution, we call that expanding the pie, which means finding a creative solution to your problem. We're not locked into that original idea, right? I have to find this often referred to unicorn, this unicorn person who fits all these varied skill sets that you could actually break the position down into two positions and make sure that people were working in the areas that they're interested in and passionate about and also in the direction that their skills are already taking them. And that was something I really appreciated because in the job description, but Definitely in that assessment, I realized my skills do not lie in website editing, right? My skills definitely are more in the nonprofit side of things. The nonprofit lingo was something that we talked about, having that nonprofit lingo. And so I was able to stick with all the parts of the job that I was really excited about. And somebody who does a much better job at this than me gets to do the other parts. Again, like it's funny, I'd never thought about it that way. But I really loved that perspective, and I appreciated it so much. So, Lexi, you know, we start all of our one-on-one meetings with just talking about how things are going in our lives. And so there's all of these possible off-the-map questions that I have in my head. And, of course, none of them seem to do you justice because you are just such an amazing person to work with. And I should first of all have to apologize to you. I should have thought ahead of time, wait, Dolph, off-the-map question, and I didn't. Um, But as I think about the -the off-the-map question. Listeners, something you may not know about Lexi is that she has traveled all over the world. And it's one of the ways that she and I really hit it off is we both really love to travel and we both um, try to get out of the U.S. whenever we can and experience the rest of the world. And so, Lexi, is there one international experience that you would really love to share with us? Oh, my gosh, there's so many. I'll just... I'll just share Japan was my first really big international experience and has so stuck with me. I actually still dream about it, and I dream about eating the food there. Japanese food is wonderful, real Japanese food, not Americanized Japanese food. Real Japanese food is wonderful. And most of the time I had no idea what I was ordering. I would just point to some words on the menu, and whatever showed up showed up. And only once did that really take me to a bad food experience. The rest of the time, it was really phenomenal. So I still dream about it. And I actually have dreams about taking my family, my children and my parents and my brother, strangely, back to Japan and going on this eating tour. So I guess that must have really impacted me deeply somewhere if, I don't know, 15 years later, I'm still dreaming about it. It really must have. And Japan is one of the places I have not yet made it to, but I have heard that it is the place to go for food. It's really wonderful. And and beyond the food, it's a really wonderful place. I highly recommend it. Well, 
Lexi, thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, listeners, I always want to make sure you know how to reach out to Lexi. So let me tell you, you can go to SuccessfulNonprofits.com and get all of her contact information, which, of course, is Lexi at SuccessfulNonprofits.com. But please, please head on over to SuccessfulNonprofits.com. In today's show notes, we are also going to put in the assessment that we used for the special projects coordinator. And I will let you know that Lexi and I are going to record an additional episode on onboarding because, again, when I talk about the fact that hiring Lexi is one of the best decisions I've ever made, the onboarding process really helped Lexi get a good start. And over the last 18 months, she has gone from being the podcast producer and kind of in charge of external communications to really, as I said, being a thought partner on consulting engagements. So probably half of the consulting engagements that the practice is currently working on, Lexi is an integral part of. She participates in the meetings. She, you know, she she helps facilitate meetings and co-facilitates meetings. And I'll share with you from my perspective, it not only speaks to her amazing skill and also her willingness to take on new things, but the relationship that she and I have built and that onboarding. And so the next time that you hear from both Lexi and I, you are going to hear a story about our onboarding process. That, listeners, is our show for this week. But you know, I should not go there just yet. Let me just remind you, I love it when you review the podcast. Honestly, it makes me super happy. And I also love it when you reach out to me. That makes me super happy as well because it tells me that people are listening and people are interested and people have questions. So please review the podcast and please reach out to me if you've got questions or you just want to chat. Now, listeners, that is our show for this week. I hope that you have gained some insight to help your nonprofit thrive in a competitive environment. And I say this every episode, you know I'm not an accountant. I'm also not an attorney. This should surprise no one because I did not go to attorney school and I did not go to accounting school. And neither I nor the Goldenberg Group provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. That should also surprise no one because I already said I did not go to attorney school and I did not go to accounting school. This episode is for informational purposes only. And I have to tell you, this episode had a lot of great information and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. Honestly, if that's what you're looking for, please, please don't look for it from podcasts. Find a qualified, licensed professional who can help you. And if you have a very specific need, you can reach out to me. And if I know a licensed, qualified professional in your area who I would be willing to recommend, I am happy to connect the two of you. 